Welcome back to Sweet Seats, our podcast made by Sports Broadcasting and LOHS. On my left, I have Grant Brennan. On my right, I have Jacob. Over on the other side, we got Derek and Joe. Let's start off with uh, college football bowl predictions. Uh, we'll start off with the Rose Bowl, Utah versus Ohio State. What is your guys' predictions? Man, that's probably going to be one of the hardest games to to um, predict Ohio State coming off that heartbreaking loss to Michigan, and I believe that was week thir- week 12 or week 13. I got Ohio State in that game, though. I think Chris Olave is going to be the first wide receiver taken off the board. C.J. Stroud looks like he was snubbed from Heisman this year. Bryce Young had an amazing year, but I really like C.J. Stroud personally. I think Ohio State, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be an offensive game, but I got Ohio State. Yeah, I agree. I mean... Ohio State probably has two or three wide receivers on their roster right now that are going to go in the first round eventually. Uh, they have a pretty good quarterback. I mean, Utah can play anybody. They played Oregon, beat them pretty badly, and, you know, they won the Pac-12, so it's going to be a good game. Not only did they play Oregon and beat them, they beat them twice, and it was a blowout both times. Yeah. And I just see Ohio State as being way too overwhelming offensively, so I also got Ohio State. I will gladly take Ohio State on that. I think C.J. Stroud is uh, the next big thing, and I think he's going to come back and win Heisman next year. So I'm going to take Ohio State. Yeah, me too. I got Ohio State all the way. Uh, let's move on to the Sugar Bowl. Baylord versus Ole Miss. Derek? Ooh. Man, this is when we were talking about for cheap seats, and I'll say the same thing on this podcast that I did for cheap seats last, last week. These are two phenomenal offenses. Um, you said Baylor, um, Ole Miss. Yeah. I got a low-scoring game. I'm going a defensive battle here. I'm saying Baylor wins it 21-17. Defensive? I don't know about that one. Uh, Ole Miss doesn't really play defense that much. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the better defense than Baylor. I'm going to go with Baylor and probably a high-scoring game. I, I think I'm going to go Ole Miss here. They have the best quarterback prospect in this draft, I think. I think. I got Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a bit better, in my opinion. Matt Corral's going higher and mock drafts so. Matt Corral, he I think he's got the best prospects that a pro would want. He's got a big arm. He can, you know, move about the pocket. He's also got a very good coach in Lane Kithit, so I, I think Ole Miss takes this one. Uh yeah, I think uh Baylor's actually gonna win this. It's gonna be a tight game, but Baylor has just been looking good this whole season and Ole Miss is just not gonna put up against them uh let's move on to the fiesta bowl oklahoma state versus notre dame what a game you're taking all the games that we talked about last week um oklahoma state notre dame i'm trying to think um oklahoma state had a really good year they they were inches from making it to winning their conference and possibly making it to the college football playoffs Notre Dame, I'm going to say the same thing again for Notre Dame that I did last week. Notre Dame really doesn't play anyone. The really only good competition they had this year was Cincinnati, which they lost to Cincinnati. And then we know Cincinnati ended up getting the four seed, made it to the college football playoffs. So I got to take Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's a more well-rounded team. They've had a little bit better competition. They've been able to prove themselves a little bit more than Notre Dame this year. So I'm taking Oklahoma State. I got to agree with that. Oklahoma State are definitely just fighting more than Notre Dame. Notre Dame hasn't played any big teams, like you said, and I feel like Oklahoma State are just going to run over them. I feel uh, Notre Dame, they were injured earlier in the season when they played Cincinnati. 
And now that they're healthy, I think they're one of the better teams in the nation, and I got them beating Oklahoma State. This is actually the first ever meeting between the two teams. Uh, I, I'm going to take a defensive battle. Oklahoma State, it's going to be low scoring. I'm going to go, like, 2013. Okay. All right. Next game, biased Michigan State fan right here. Peach Ooh. Bowl, Pitt versus Michigan State. Honestly, I'm a little scared myself. Pitt have been looking good. However, Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker are both not joining that game. Speaking of that, uh, what do you guys think that uh, the committee could do to really uh, keep these players to play in this kind of stuff? Personally, I think they could either pay them or make the playoffs expanded to like 12 team just so there's actually something to play for here instead of just kind of playing for nothing what do you guys think on that something i think they should do and i've been really pro um expanding college football playoffs ever since it came up years ago and i heard about it for the first time and i really think not just expanding it to 12 team expanding it to 16 teams because then you're going to see more teams like the team that i compare cincinnati to is a ucf team back from like 2015, 2016, where they went undefeated, I think two or three years in a row. You're gonna see more teams like that. You're gonna see more teams like a Boise State this year, like a Michigan State that just barely missed out on the college football playoffs. Remember, Michigan State, if they beat Purdue versus losing to Purdue, they'd be in the Big Ten, they'd be in the Big Ten championship game. They'd be a one loss team. And I think we'd be talking about them going to play Georgia versus Michigan, or even possibly playing Alabama as a four seed. But I really am pro-expanding it. And remember, if players have something to play for, they're going to stay and they're going to play. And if they can go win a championship in college football, they're going to do it. Because if I'm an NFL scout, I'm taking a player that played for, like, in Alabama, that played for a Michigan State, that won a national championship versus someone who really struggled in college and doesn't have that resume that someone like a Kenny Pickett, that a Kenneth Walker, a Matt Corral has. And I think one thing that contributes to players, you know, uh, leaving and not deciding to play their bowl games is bowl games have kind of lost their legacy. Like the Rose Bowl you see, it's not as important as it was 20, 30 years ago. In the 90s, your 80s, making it to the Rose Bowl was kind of the, you know, the dream of a Big Ten team. You could say the same thing about a Sugar Bowl. Yeah. But they've kind of lost their, you know, their oomph. Yeah. Let's go on to the actual college football playoffs orange bowl georgia versus michigan two versus three michigan have been looking good all season beating ohio state was honestly not a surprise because they just were just better so michigan has two things that will travel they have a good defense and they have a good offensive line and so does georgia georgia has probably the best defense in the nation led by jordan davis who's going to go very early in the draft um, so I think it's going to come down to really who's going to make a difference at the quarterback play. And, you know, Cade McNamara, he hasn't made a lot of, you know, big games. He hasn't thrown for, you know, 300, 400 yards. But when he's asked to make the big throws, and he did it in the Big Ten title game, he did yeah. it against Ohio State. He makes the big throws when he needs to. And, and you know, it's going to come down to him, you know, Merrick, Eric All, some of the players on Georgia. So at the end of the day, it's whoever, you know, besides their strengths, makes the big plays. Remember, one of the big things that we talked about, and we already mentioned it with Georgia, is the defense. We've we've seen all year Georgia having that really high-powered defense, and I, I like to compare that Georgia defense to the Clemson defense, the Power Rangers defense we saw a few years ago. They beat, they've been in Arkansas this year. They've been in Auburn. They've been in Kentucky. They lost a heartbreaker to, Georgia, or to um, sorry, Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I really think that the Michigan defense isn't getting the credit they deserve. 
Michigan has probably one of the best running back tandems in college football, not if the back and best in um, Blake Corum and Dwayne Haskins. Then you got to throw in someone like a Donovan Edwards. I really think Cade McNamara, ever since that Michigan State game, has really come into his own, and that's one of the big reasons why they've been able to beat Iowa. They've been able to beat Ohio State. It's because they're clicking. This is probably one of the most complete Big Ten teams we've seen, and I think you hear the SEC, ACC controlling college football. Well, I really think this is Michigan's time to make some noise for the Big Ten. I got Michigan in an upset. Yeah, um, I have to agree with that as a biased Michigan fan. I know Derek and Joe touched on it earlier. It's going to be about the quarterback play here. Uh, Cade McNamara is obviously a great quarterback. You know, he's stepped up in uh, big situations. But I'd also like to see uh, JJ get some um, touches here just to give the, def the Georgia defense a different look here. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing about Harbaugh that we've seen, and we've really seen it the last couple weeks, is that he's not afraid to make trick plays. He's not afraid to pull out of the book of tricks. It's something that, like, a Brian Dabble, or Dable did with – Buffalo last year, and that's really where I think Buffalo's defense is really struggling this year, is that it's really come to the point where they're not making the trick plays that they did last year that gave them success, and that's what I really like from Harbaugh that I really haven't seen from him the last couple of years, is those trick plays. The um, He had the play where I believe it was Donovan Edwards threw the touchdown pass against that's Iowa. That's correct, yep. And you're just seeing some more of those plays, and it just gives something the defense to watch out for. It's, oh, hey, we know that they ran this against Iowa. There's a possibility they're going to run this again. And that's when you're going to start seeing more success on the offense is when you have the ability to run those strict plays. Yeah, I'm a Michigan fan, and I absolutely see Georgia winning this. The, that defense is way too good for Michigan. I love the Michigan's offensive line. They have a great, they have two great running backs that are probably going to be at least second round picks. And uh, I think Haskins is going to go in this draft, and uh, Quorum's going to be in two years. Yeah. And then, uh, but Georgia's defense is just so elite. There's going to be so many first round picks on that defense. I just, I got Georgia. But you also got to give credit to the Michigan defense as well. You're not going to win games if you can't hold your opponents, if you're not going to let your opponents score. They've given up 30 points between Ohio State and Iowa, probably the two toughest teams in the Big Ten. And those are the two teams we talked about making it to the Big Ten championship and training camp. Yeah, Plus, no. you're holding Maryland to 18. You held Penn State to 17. You held Indiana to 7. You hold, held Northwestern to a touchdown. The only really bad game that the defense had was the Michigan State game. They blew a 16-point lead. Kenneth Walker had, yeah. I believe, over 200 yards, five touchdowns, which he did that to a lot of defenses this year. I really do think it's going to be a defensive battle. It's going to be whoever can just make that gut punch late and just have that big drive. Okay, let's move on to the Cotton Bowl. Cincinnati versus Alabama. Cincinnati have been looking good. Honestly, with, with, with the way they're playing right now, I honestly think they could, it's the best uh, matchup that uh, Alabama could lose to, but Alabama, I feel like, is still going to take this W. Uh, something interesting to touch on real quick about Cincinnati. Obviously, they were not predicted to be in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. I think they had like a 0.3% chance to make the playoffs, along with Michigan at a 0.05%. But I just find that really interesting, obviously, because they were not projected. But I do think Alabama is going to roll through Cincinnati as they did roll through Georgia. I agree. Alabama has too much talent for Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati has two NFL corners or in, in an NFL safety for sure. But 
I just see those Alabama wide receivers getting loose all the time. I mean, and it's big to see a non-Power 5 conference team inside of the college football playoffs finally. I mean, I thought UCF should have made it. So it's finally nice that they're getting some of the respect that they deserve. I think this is the not the same Alabama teams we've seen in the past, where it's just you're rolling through everyone. They lost to Texas A&M 41-38. Auburn took, or Auburn took them to two overtimes. They almost lost to Arkansas. They won 42-35. With that being said, I really think that it's Alabama. This is Nick Saban we're talking about. Nick Saban knows how to get his players ready for the games. He knows how to get his players ready for big games, where this is Cincinnati's first time in the college football playoffs. So I really don't think that this game, don't get me wrong, both teams are really talented. I don't think it's going to come down to who's going to be the more talented team. I think it's going to really come down to Nick Saban knows how to prepare his players for this game, and he's not going to let this moment get too big for his players where I think Cincinnati might get too, like, get too um, involved in the moment and let this get like too big for them. Yeah, uh, Alabama, yeah, even if they're choking up those games very close to losing, but they still find a way to win it. They, they, just, they beat Georgia 41-24, for yeah. so there's something to be said about that as well. Yeah, and this these close games are going to boost their confidence to be like, okay, we really got to step up our game and beat uh, Cincinnati to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think a crazy thing you could say about Alabama is a direct quote from Nick Saban that everybody he was recruited and gone to Alabama has won a national championship under him at some point, which is just – that's, I think, one of the greatest sports dynasties of all time. You put it up there with, um, you know, New England Patriots, got the Edmonton I Oilers. Com- completely agree. And something that I really touched on Bryce Young, I really think Bryce Young deserved the Heisman. He's clearly one of the best college football quarterbacks, if not the best this year. And something that I see interesting about him, his lowest passing yards this year was 227. It was against Mercer in week two. And so even in the game that they lost to to, um, Texas A&M, he threw for 369 yards. So he really knows how to move the ball and how to spread out his offense and get the ball to all of his receivers and be able to complete passes. And that's something that I really think is going to kill that Cincinnati defense is the way Alabama's able to control the ball and just wear out defenses. We've seen it all year. We saw it in the Georgia game, and I think we're going to see it again with Cincinnati. Yeah, okay. We're done with college football playoffs, bowl rankings, or, or bowl predictions. Let's move on to NHL. The NHL has been going on for a while, and recently, COVID has outbreak, and many games are being postponed. Like, every game last night was postponed besides Minnesota-Dallas. Minnesota and Dallas, who Dallas won 7-4. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I personally think it's a good move, just because uh, you don't want all these players getting sick. I know all the players want to play. Even Steve Eisenman said it himself. I don't want to bring politics or anything into this, but he also said that... um, he stated, why are these players even being tested at this point if uh, if these guys all want to play and there are uh, really no symptoms? But, you know, I do think it's a good move just to wait a couple more days because these players do get a break anyway for Christmas and just wait till a day after Christmas to resume play. Yeah, I do think it's a, a really nice idea, too, for on Gary Bettman's part. And I do agree with Eisenman. Why are they testing the players if they're vaccinated? There's no if, if they're asymptomatic, I do believe they should be able to play. The vaccine was... Uh, uh, was pretty much mandatory for a reason. Most teams uh, made it mandatory for players to get it to attend training camp 
I, I feel like that just because they did do, take the vaccine that they should be able to play through COVID. Let's, let's hold up for a second. One of the big things is COVID still ravaging. Like we're starting, we're starting to see numbers go up and we're starting to see cases come out in all leagues. We had the couple of, we had the couple of games postponed in the NFL. We've had some games postponed in the NBA. So this is just the NHL's way of trying to stop the spread and try and help the, protect these players. And one of the other things I really like to see Bettman did is he stopped travel to Canada where you're not able to travel from Canada Canada to the United States or United States to Canada. And that's something that I really think is going to help stop the spread as well because you're not going over the border traveling from country to country. All right, let's get off this COVID stuff and let's talk about our two rookies, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Saida. Wow, what two picks have those been? And they are just booming. Man, I really think, and I, t- I talked about this, and... I, Man, there's a lot you can say about Sider and Raymond. They're they're doing great. I think both of them are going to be in the talk for the Calder Cup, and I think one of them is going to win it, if it's Sider or if it's Raymond. And I really – this is what Iserman did with Tampa Bay, is he got these really good young, young players in there. He developed them, and then he's going to make the icing on cake with the really good veterans. We saw it in baseball with the um, Astros minus the cheating. We've seen it in NBA. We've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in we've seen it in multiple sports. And Eisenman, th- this is how he rebuilds a team. We saw it with Tampa Bay. Look, Tampa Bay's won two Stanley Cups in a row. There's 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 reasons behind that, and he's doing it with Detroit. And we're starting to see the positive effects from it. Who knows? We could be holding a Stanley Cup in three or four years. Yeah, I do have to agree with that, but um. Obviously, these two kids are studs, but like, let's not. Uh, or they overshadow Dylan Larkin a bit right now. Obviously, he's playing his best hockey he's played in a while. He's got 27 games played, 15 goals, 14 assists for 29 points. Obviously, his best hockey in a while. I just think these uh, two players, obviously, they're studs, but I think they are overshadowing how he's playing right now. He was also first star of the week, five goals and two assists, seven points. It's crazy. He had that um, hat trick Saturday night. It's Dylan Larkin. We've known that he can play hockey like this for years i've heard so many comparisons to henrik zetterberg to a nicholas lindstrom to a steve eiserman and these comparisons are going to be accurate i really think this young three between larkin cider and raymond is going to be awesome and i really would have liked to see detroit keep anthony mantha last year and just make that young core of four but there's probably some reasons behind that that they didn't keep him so just having that young core of three is going to help them in the long term. And we're going to start seeing that winning culture come back to Detroit and just seeing winning hockey come back to Detroit. And it's all because of Steve Eiserman and what he's done with the team, bringing in Larkin, bringing in Sider, bringing in Raymond, and bringing in some of these other players that he's brought in. Saying on that, too, um, obviously Mantha was a key player we lost, but we also brought in Jacob Verano, which is at, fair, he's a star. But yeah. um, obviously out with the shoulder injury. Don't know when he'll be back, but just can't wait to see when he's yeah, back that really and, turned our season around last season getting rid of mantha and bringing in verana verana just started popping off right when he got here i think it was because of we were struggling and he was in a big team and he just made us look amazing and derek you're, you're forgetting about bertuzzi he brings such timely bertuzzi, goal scoring i totally, f- with, I totally with, forgot bertuzzi you're completely right about that he has such a greediness to him. He doesn't take anything from anyone. He will fight anyone. He will hit anyone. He does not care, and he is such a great goal scorer. I, I 
think he is probably the most forgotten player in the league right now. Back to the rookies. Lucas Raymond leads the Red Wings in assists with 18 assists, and he's third in goals with 10 behind Larkin and Bertuzzi, of course. Uh, that is just brilliant. And everyone's talking about um, – I can't think of his name right now. He's on the – Anaheim Ducks. Trevor Zegras. Yeah, Trevor yeah, Zegras. Trevor Zegras is uh, also doing really good, but I still think Raymond is showing off how good, how much better he is than Trevor Zegras. Also did have some games under his belt last year for the Anaheim Ducks, so that also does provide a little bit of an advantage. And he is playing on a pretty decent team, I'd say, with the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, they're not. Anaheim Ducks have been quite surprising this year. They're second in the Pacific. They're pretty much. They've gotten really go- good goal scoring from Troy Ter- Terry. Jamie Drysdale and Zegras have been very good rookies for them this year. And uh, Gibson has been a, a brick wall back there for them in net. Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing in hockey is having a good goaltender. Uh, you look at uh, the best teams in the league, you know, look at Tampa Bay. They have Vasilevsky in net, you know. And you look at the Stanley Cup winners over the years, the past 10 years, and as such a, you know, modern NHL that scores a lot, you have to have a good goaltender to win, especially in the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean, going back to Detroit and going back to what Iserman's been able to do, I really like the Nij- the Nijekul- Nadelkovic. Yes, him. <laughs> that that pickup, and he's really shown. And remember, he's young too. He's going to be a really good goaltender for years. And it's just going. And I know I've I've been oh Steve Eiserman, like he's an amazing GM, but he's done an amazing job in Detroit. And we're seeing it even at goalie bringing in him. He's a young goaltender that's going to help Detroit for years. Joe, you just said that. You need a good goaltender to be able to win Stanley Cups. Look at Tampa. Look at Boston. Look at all these teams that's won Stanley Cups. Look at Pittsburgh. And they've all had good goaltending, and that's what we're finally getting. After after years of not having good goaltending, we're finally getting it back, all because we have a competent GM that knows what he's doing. And with that, too, let's not forget their uh, first-round pick. I think it was a 15th overall, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Sebastian Kosa out of the WHL. Absolute stud. He is also on the um, Canadians roster for this World Juniors this year. So uh, excited to see what he'll do at the World Juniors and excited to see what he'll do in the future. Chicago really put it all out on the line this season and are not doing well. They bought Flurry or they got Flurry and they're trying to hold on to uh, – Kane and everyone and they really thought this was going to be their year to spend out and uh start uh fighting for the playoff spots but they also uh sent a package over to Columbus for Seth Jones you know he was a quality defenseman in his time with Columbus and it's just been a struggle and I think part of the reason Chicago might be struggling is the happenings inside the organization that you know have been revealed this year and you know that even affected Quinville he was coaching in Florida and now he was uh, forced to step down, and I think that was the right decision by the NHL, but I don't think they handled it well with letting him, you know, have a possibility to get back in the league. I don't think that's right. I mean, you look at these teams that are just veterans thrown together. They're not going to do as well as the young core that have grown up together. Look at the Tigers in the early 2010s where they they were good, but they were never great, and I think that's really what Chicago as a possibility, I don't see Chicago winning anything huge because they have all these veterans just thrown together versus growing these guys up. Because you got guys like Bertuzzi, Larkin, um, Sider, Raymond, who have played together for years. They're going to be able to get that chemistry and it's that consistency that you're not getting just throwing veteran in after veteran in. And that's really what Chicago's doing right now. 
And I think that's part of the reason why they aren't doing as well as everyone expected them to do. It's just because of that chemistry, and they're not used to everyone's playing style yet. Okay, thank you for listening to Sweet Seats, a podcast produced by Sports Broadcasting Class. I'm Daniel Steer. Uh, We'll see you next week.